When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly View system, Dion. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. All for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? everybody and welcome to for the love of paul mcgrab podcast um i suppose a bit of a somber note come on today because uh i think it's worthwhile discussing prior to going to nicolas and all um probably the reasons why aston villa have been so heavily linked with him this morning in a deal that looks like it's very very far progressed to a player that villa actually tried to or were linked with i won't say tried to sign were linked with in january as well which was really interesting prior to him going to galatasaray would speak about why he went to galatasaray etc etc in a moment but um, obviously the reason that these links have come about is because it looks like i mean emmy buendia is going to be out for the season with um acl tear and it's it's really devastating for a young man because um you know this preseason has been his best preseason and he's shown some of the some of the best some of the best flashes of 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 form um, that we've seen from him in, in, in an Aston Villa shirt and uh, things were really clicking for him. While I potentially wouldn't have started against uh, Newcastle at the weekend, the, the bench option that he was becoming was just absolutely fantastic. And those little pockets of space and the understanding he's now developing with, with Ollie Watkins and and um, and John McGinn as well, I think to a lesser degree as well, um, has been has been really good. So uh, we wish him all the best. We wish Emmy Bundy all the best in his recovery. And uh, hopefully it's one of those recoveries that he gets to come back before the end of the season. Um, because, as I say, he's a real likable young, uh, real likable player. And uh, this was going to be a big season for him. But uh, looking ahead as well, I suppose the, the club have moved swiftly. And, and potentially this was in the offing regardless. But they've moved, <coughs> excuse me, and they've moved swiftly, it seems. And according to Fabrizio Romano and uh, quite a lot of other um, people are now reporting it is that Italian um, wide midfielder, attacking midfielder and striker to, to a lesser degree, Nicolo Zaniolo has uh, been linked with uh, with Aston Villa in a loan with uh, with an option to buy um, deal. Um, as I mentioned, uh, from memory, I think we were linked with him in January as well. Um, but he's a player that's, that's really intriguing. A lot of play- people will look at his statistics and go, nah, 
not for me. And that's okay too. You know, if uh, I've always said that when we look at players here on uh, on For the Love of Pomegranate podcast, we look at their statistics. We also look at how they play. We also take into context maybe the team that they're playing in, what they're being asked to do. Are they a ball-dominant team, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And, and, and also, I suppose, with this player, we would have to take into account the fact that he's just 24 years of age and he's had two ACL injuries. So how his style of play may have changed, how he may have been nursing himself back into into uh, to full health as well over uh, after missing two very formative years uh, of his development. And, and while 10 years ago that would be seen as a massive negative, I, I think obviously with the, the improvements in medical, um, in medical treatments and specifically, uh, I suppose, really doctors' understanding of the knee and the reconstruction of a knee, it, it's, it's not as devastating uh, an injury as it used to be. Thankfully, I, I had it myself. And um, I had very, I had absolutely no ill effects after it as well, and uh, I didn't get anywhere near the care that a professional footballer would. Um, so uh, there, there's a lot of context to be taken into account when you look at Zaniolo. Well, let's look, I suppose, at his backstory first. I suppose it's uh, it's important. I like to look at people uh, at people's careers, and 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 this guy was thought of as one of the most promising players in European football, never mind Italian football, uh, at a young age. Um, his uh, his early career, he started off in he's he's a Tuscan uh, a Tuscan um, native as well, born in Tuscany. Um, played with uh, the youth system of Fiorentina first of all as well, and uh, then he went on to play with Virtus Entella as well. Uh, you know, as 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 a very young player as well as a young player, um, made his debut in, in Serie B at the age of seventeen um, against Benev Benevento, and uh, then he quickly moved on to Inter Milan. Inter Milan paid a pretty decent fee for him at the time, considering he was only 17 years of age. They they paid 1.8 million euros with an additional 1.7, and that was um, in 2017 as well. Um, he, he initially started off with their what we'll call underage team, their 21s, uh, scored 13 goals and didn't, but didn't break into the into the first team at that stage. Um, didn't break into the first team at any stage, should I say? But then in 2018, Monchi came calling. Um, Inter Milan were negotiating a deal with Roma for uh, Nangolin, and um, as part of that deal, uh, David Santon and uh, Nicolas Zaniolo were actually sent to uh, to Roma. So Monchi has previously negotiated for him as well. So I know a lot of people say he bought him. Essentially, it was part of a swap deal um, the, where uh, where Nangolin went out and um, and these two guys came in as well. Um, it was really his breakthrough year. His breakthrough time was at was at Roma, where he began to fulfil his potential. Um, made uh, he he actually made his um, uh, he, he made his debut in the UEFA Champions League. I think that year as well, if I remember rightly, in two thousand and eighteen. Um, but he was really really impressive. Two thousand and eighteen, two thousand and nineteen season uh, as well, and he won the Serie A Young Player of the Year that year. Uh, as well, scored twice in, in in the UEFA Champions League that that year as well. So, um, you know, this guy has has very very good talent. Um, been marred by injuries, two two injuries, but um, we, we'll get on as well to more context. I think behind that as well. Um, you know, he began to there was there was change of managers around Roma. Uh, things weren't uh, weren't exactly lining up correctly for the club itself. And uh, you know, Jose Mourinho came into the club. There was a I, I, I don't know. I can't fully fully figure out whether there was tension between him, but um, he when he was coming back from injury, a lot of uh, he felt he wasn't getting protection from referees, and then Jose Mourinho, uh, from what I can tell, Jose Mourinho may have thrown him under the bus with a with uh, with a comment, and then uh, you know I suppose. Uh, relationships began to sour then after that. Um, there's an interesting piece on him, and there's an interesting story uh, on him whereby 
uh, his um, he he submitted a, a a transfer request, and afterwards the Roma Ultras actually appeared at his house and uh, chased him out of his house. Um, so at that stage he had to fl- he he fled to uh, to a completely completely different city. And um, it was then that the club agreed to sell him. So the club didn't actually want to sell him. They want, and if they were going to send him, they were demanding like 50 million euros from him. They thought really, really highly of him. I think actually at that stage of memory serves me right. Himself and Mourinho had patched things up. Um, but uh, the fans turned against him. And then they turned against him on the field. They started to boo him after abject, an abject performance. And then they went to his house and chased him out of his house. So he took everybody um, with him and went to a completely different uh, city. And then uh, he was um, essentially it was it was a case whereby he uh, he was transfer listed and uh, no club came in for him. And then the if, if memory serves me right as well, the the um, Turkish league stayed open after the rest of the European leagues closed, and that was why he ended up moving to Galatasaray for 15 million euros, which actually was a Turkish record at, at the time. So, um, really interesting kind of story there about Roma. And if you look at his statistics and you just look at those, and you don't look at, I suppose, the whole context behind it, a guy who's had to overcome an awful lot of uh, hardship over the last three to four years was coming back, was massively on the comeback trail as well with Roma, and um. I suppose fortunes didn't really favor favor him, and there was a perception around him that uh, um, you know that uh, some of his performances after coming back, he was uh, how should I say it? He was ill-disciplined towards referees. Fans started to to take against him, and then uh, I know I I'm I'm sure everybody here will be, will agree with me that no fan should ever turn up at a footballer's house, or no group of fans should ever turn up at a footballer's house to. Um, to, um... It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Ask the gate or to, 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 to voice their feelings. Do it on the field if you want, but, but not show up to their, to their house. So he ended up at Galatasaray, and that's where he is now. He had a pretty fruitful season at Galatasaray. Um, 11 games, 5 goals. You know, so uh, he he needed to move. He knew he needed to play football after leaving after losing two years um, in in the not so distant future, not so distant past to to injury. So uh, he has moved, he did move on to Galatasaray, and I think it was always kind of expected that from there he wouldn't stay too long and he would move on. 
again. He has a 35 million euro release clause at the moment. I would imagine Galatasaray will play hardball. Like they're not going to do Aston Villa any favors if Villa do want this. But I would imagine it sounds like it's going to be a loan with an option to buy. And uh, I think that's probably smart uh, from Villa's point of view as well. Um, bring him in. It's going to be a bit of a faster paced, uh, paced league uh, for, for, for him. But has a lot of European experience as well, which is something that it seems that the club are, uh, are targeting uh, at the moment. I'm going to go to some of your comments before I share up his stat sheet in a moment. So let's take a look at some of your comments first. A um, lot, of, lot of love coming for Bundia there. Uh, gutted for Bundia. AVFC status is so sad. Um, uh, Jake says, soon as I saw the link, I thought, wonder if for love of pomegranates on. Yeah, uh, a lot of people saying gutted, gutted for um, MB Bundia. Yeah, it's like it's the eve of the Premier League as well, you know. Well, it's the eve of the eve of the Premier League, and all the hard work has been done, and you know have that ripped away from you, not just for one game. Like, it'd be something, all right, if you rolled an ankle and you were going to be out for the game. That's tough enough. But on the eve of the season, to be told that you're gone for the season, that's going to take an awful lot of mental um, uh, of mental nurturing to, and, and strength to kind of come over that one as well. Um, uh, a, lot, a couple of people here as well have, have, have asked about, uh, I suppose, does this change anything to, with Aaron Ramsey? I probably think it doesn't. Um, I think he's going to go anyway. Um, I don't think it changes anything there, but I think it changes what our outlook on Philippe Coutinho might be. Probably a bit more similar. Um, I think that's what changes. And obviously, this guy coming in here, uh, this guy is 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 the Zaniola is an interesting character. He's, a, he's an interesting prospect because, as I say, he can play all the way across that uh, the front three. Um, uh, he's he's a taller player. Like for for a wing player, for a, cent a central midfielder, for somebody who can go up, or sorry, for an essential attacking midfielder, and for somebody who can go up top beside Ali Watkins, he's a taller guy. He's six foot three. You know, we don't have an awful lot of height in our team, and specifically, trust Aston Villa to go in and buy height that potentially could be playing out in the wing or or in the hole behind the striker. You know, it's not predominantly where you see big tall players, uh, but that's not to say that it hinders him. Like he's not a slow tall player, if that makes sense. You know, we often associate tall players with being cumbersome. He's certainly not. He's fast, he's good with his feet, he's fluid mover. Even after two ACL injuries, you see it in him. He's a fluid, fluid mover. Um, more comments from you guys there as well. Holdender2012 uh, says, very disappointing news about Emmy. Don't know much about Zaniolo, but watch the YouTube video of his goals and he looks good. If the boss wants him, then that's good enough. Um, Scott Taggart is asking for kudos. I think the boat has probably sailed on Mohamed Kudos. I think, uh, I think he's going to end up at, at Brighton, it seems. Um, where else are we here? Uh, Danny Burningham says, does that mean Joe Felix is no longer an option? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We see, like, there's a lot of newspaper articles written about uh, Joe Felix, but I think Joe Felix has made it pretty clear that he wants to go to Barcelona or it's basically Barcelona or nowhere at the moment until Barcelona say, we aren't going to sign you. I don't think that's really a conversation, I think. But um, it'd be an interesting. I, I still, even with this guy coming, I still think there might be potential for another striker to come in. I'm still holding out hope for my 30-year-old 30, 30 plus striker that comes in and helps that striking department um, uh, as well um, for a low fee. Um, I don't know why. It ju just feels like the right thing to do. Um, anyway, yeah, so Kat Cannon asks, what does this mean for Coutinho and Dendonker? I don't think it means anything different for Dan Donker uh, just because of the positions they play. But I think Philippe Coutinho stays an Aston Villa player uh, on the back of this. I think it does. Um, so let's have a look at some of the statistics here for him. As you know, I've got uh, some stats done, uh, done up. Now, you're going to look at these stats and you're going to say, Neil, there's an awful lot of low, low points here for him. 
There's an awful lot of low points here for them. And that is true. There is. But remember, this is coming from a... Uh, this is a player who was moved um, essentially by necessity to a completely different league in, in Turkey. Didn't know the players, was frustrated into it and, uh, and started to gain a bit of traction within the league. But if we think about it, we've seen players similar to this before. We've seen players like this is a snapshot of somebody's uh, this isn't a snapshot of somebody's talent. I've always said it before. Statistics are not a snapshot of somebody's talent in the main. They're a snapshot of what somebody has been asked to do. And um, this guy, no matter whether it's been at Roma when you watch the games or whether he's been at Galatasaray, he's been asked, pick up that ball and drive with that ball. Run, run, run. Dribble, dribble. Be, you know, be that ball carrier. Get that ball forward and shoot. You know, he's been an attacking outlet for both of those teams. Um, he's not somebody that has been forced the ball over the last two years. You know, uh, certainly in a Mourinho team, like in, a, in always a Mourinho team, you're not going to have somebody who's going to be forced the ball, as in you're not going to have a workhorse. They're predominantly a defensive team um, a lot of the time in Mourinho's, in Mourinho's style. Spoiler alert, as if people don't know that already. Came into, came into Galatasaray and his job was like, just have at it. Be as attacking as you want and don't worry about any of your defensive defensive duties. Um, he can play both ways, as in he, he he can defend. It's it's not that he can't defend. These these statistics are a snapshot of 365 days. It's not that he can't defend. It's very symptomatic of what he's been asked to do over the last year. And that's been being an attacking force. We let other people look after the defensive side of things. Like you don't have to be a rounded footballer when you're an attacker. Helps. It helps. But sometimes people are just told, you go out there, when the ball comes to you, you're our other outlet of attack, and this is what you need to do. You need to be good positionally, but we don't exactly want you diving into tackles. We don't need you. We need you to be there when someone else wins the ball to be able to break quickly and be that guy who carries that ball forward and maybe has a pot shot from 17, 18 yards. And, uh, and that's what he's been tasked with doing. That's been his, what he's been, been, ta been tasked with doing. Um. So uh, where I've got a little few notes here on his style of play. So he's tall, as I mentioned. I've got him down here at six foot two and a half, but most places have him down at six foot three as well. He's fast and he is known for his dribbling skill. Albeit here we see that uh, his uh, dribble completion rate is, um, do I have it there? Yeah, it comes in at 24.6, which is relatively low. He does dribble quite an awful lot. And I think an awful lot of this is he was really putting an island at, at, at Galatasaray and they actually moved him more into the centre for Galatasaray to play as a striker at times as well, um, which means he's going to have tighter competition being in the centre. You know, obviously defenders are going to be all over him, specifically in the Europa, in the, um, Europa League where he played, played last season as well. Um, he's kind of like... It's, uh, I, I haven't watched many, if any, so we've been linked to him before, so that's why I've watched some footage on him. It's not like this broke at 11 o'clock and Neil went away and watched two games in him. So, like, if people are going, this guy couldn't have watched those games. That's not the case. Um, this, we were linked to him in January. That's why I've got some notes written on him here. And I didn't watch an awful lot of, uh, of, of his, his play before the ACLs. And the reason that I didn't was because um, he was very young. I read people's opinions of him before the ACLs. And as I said, he was young. Um, his style of play potentially could have completely changed. Or not even completely changed, but, you know, he's going to be a different player when he comes back um, because of his youth. He doesn't have that ingrained muscle memory at the top level, I think. This is just my my, my opinion on it. So I watched, a bit of, watched stuff after his ACLs. And what I saw was he had... Um, 
he, he showed some really good effort and really good endeavour off the ball as well when he didn't have the ball. Um, scored a really good goal against Brescia and um, it was a it was a cracker to be honest with you. Like he does score some highlight real goals as well. Um, he's not a kind of an average attacking midfielder type. Um, he kind of his role asks him to kind of pick up loose pay, loose pockets of space. Um, kind of unorthodox pockets of space, drag players into into areas they don't like, and then fill that space then quickly. Kind of like Bundia has been doing in preseason as well. I might add, he does like to drift from from the outside in uh, as well, which is why I have it, why you will see an awful lot of him playing here from the right hand side when you look at his heat map below. Um, and, and when he gets the ball, he drives with the ball. He drives forward with the ball, and it's it's players that are going to going to try and 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 make those yards from the from dribbling that are going to get tackled the most. Once again, spoiler alert: that's just what happens. Um, so it's uh, he, he's got. I can't remember the game. I think it could have been against Spal that he played. Um, the Italian team Spal, where um, he had a couple of in, in a short passage of play, he had uh, two or three really good kind of. Um, Slide rule passes, as as they're called, you know, through balls onto the onto the striker, um, whose name escapes me, you know, who who was playing up top. But uh, I think it could have been Tammy actually. I think it could have been Tammy Abram who was playing. But uh, some lovely little through balls there as well. So he's able to play that as well. And and you know, he he is somebody who's tasked with both taking the ball into the final third and also receiving and finishing the ball in the final third as well. Um, he's got really good dribbling skills. Don't look at his dribble success rate here and think that is the measure of him. He's a really good dribbler of the ball. He really is. He's a, he's a good dribbler of the ball. He's got nimble feet. He's very agile. Um, for a big... Well, here we go. For, he's got great feet for a big man. Um, anybody had that in their bingo card, now it's time to drink. Um, but he, for a big guy, he's able to, to move around and he's able to get out of tight spaces. You know, His feet are very good. Feet are very good. Um so uh, that's not an issue at all. Uh, obviously, flaws does have some flaws. He's a very good dribbler, but guess what? You can be a good dribbler, and you can tend to over dribble. You can trust your 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 skill too much. So learning that in the Premier League, I think, is going to be something that's huge, and that's why I think he'd be played more central, where he won't be given, uh, uh, where he won't be uh, able to just click into autopilot and start dribbling with the ball. I think he's going to be moved inside. I think he's going to be a very, very good one-two player. I think inside there, he's going to be perfect for triangles that Unai Emery has loved to play since he's come into the into the team. Like that edge of the box player, it could be him, it could be Watkins, it could be Diaby. There's a nice dichotomy there between the three of them, potentially, if that was to be the case. Um, uh, he kind of, you know, when, when he receives the ball, he's back to goal. Um, sometimes he can kind of get stuck in that position which isn't a negative really, but you know, when you look at somebody like maybe Amusa Diaby, he receives his ball from the back with his back to goal because he's slighter, he's got a slighter frame, he's a, he's a smaller man. He needs to have a trick or he needs to have that ability to be able to get turned quickly because somebody will just muscle him off the ball. I think Zaniolo, because he's so big and strong, I think sometimes when he receives, he receives the ball with his back to goal, he can almost invite the pressure too much and kind of get stuck there. I know that might sound really, really kind of cumbersome and plodding, but um, it's not exactly a negative thing. But for a winger, I wonder why he does it, I suppose, really, for somebody who's played on the wing, has played in a, as an attacking midfielder and hasn't been a target man striker. I just wonder if it's something that maybe they want to be that target man winger, if there is such a thing. Uh, maybe that that's, that's one reason that he was, he was being asked to do it at Roma. It, it, it could have been asked to do it. It could be Jose Mourinho thing, try and get the likes of Pellegrini, the fullbacks into the play. That's probably why you know that I'm talking about it. But um, it's something that I, I, I saw with him. He just kind of got stuck a couple of times and almost like 
when there was no one around him, just wanted to almost hold the ball in that position with White. Probably was a tactic, but it just stood out, I think, a small bit. Um, what else do we have there? Um, yeah, so one of the biggest things he's going to have is he's going to have to find the right balance between trusting his natural natural dribbling, dribbling ability. He's going to have to find that balance um, in the Premier League. But as I say, um, that's easily taught. That is easily taught, you know, decision making with regards to uh, and having faster players, fast other fast players, should I say, around him, would be would, would be a big benefit as well. And um, very versatile player, as I mentioned before, he's played in several midfielders. He comes from great stock. His father uh, was a professional fo- footballer, Igor. Igor Zaniolo was a professional footballer as well, so he comes from good stock too as well. There, and um, like some career statistics, he's played for Italy thirteen times, has two goals. He's only 24 years of age. He's missed two years. Um, he got injured just before Euro 2020, the original Euro 2020, prior to the COVID break. And uh, then during the international break, in uh, he got injured again in 2020, if I uh, if I remember rightly. So he got injured in 2019. He got injured again then in 2020. Since then, he's been relatively injury-free, a couple of shoulder injuries uh, and things like that, but nothing um, ACL-wise. I think uh, is important to say. Uh, I mentioned he won Serie A Young Player of the Year in eighteen nineteen. Um, other statistics: he has, um, you know, in eighteen nineteen for Roma, twenty seven appearances, four goals. Next year, then he had twenty six appearances, six goals. Twenty eight appearances, two goals. He had one goal in thirteen appearances prior to moving to Galatasaray, where he had eleven and five as well. So you know, he chips in with goals, and and, and he's pretty decent. And when we look at him here from the point of view. Um, when we look at him here from the point of view of uh, statistics, as I say, that's all context that I wanted to share with you guys in regards to statistics. Put him up against the players that we have uh, at our team already, the Leon Baileys. Uh, obviously, I don't have Mohamed Diaby in here, but Bailey, Coutinho, um, Buendia. We can see here he shoots more. He's got uh, he's 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 got a. a He's got a better shot on target rate than Emi Buendia did last year. He's uh, pretty decent shot-creating actions, really good goal-creating actions, far, far outweighs anybody else in the, uh, any of those three players, should I say, here. Dispossessed a lot, you know, dispossessed a lot. We have we haven't shied away from that. I mentioned it there a moment ago. Uh, his dribble success rate is is lower. I expect that to get better. Um, pass, passing percentage is up there with uh, with, with Leon Bailey. Um, you know, so from from an attacking midfielder point of view, he's so so. He does some things really well. He actually kind of grades out. I think with with with, with decent um, in a team that's a bit more ball dominant, which Aston Villa will be, uh, and under the professor, I think that those statistics, things like his pass attempts, will increase. His dribble success will increase, and his pass pass percentage will increase as well because he won't be starved of the ball. Um, I think that's that's fair a fair assumption to make. Um, looking at him here, how he how he stacks up against the strikers, this is where I think is probably more relevant as such is that he's going to play in that more um, withdrawn second striker role, maybe maybe pushed up top a small little bit. Um, we can see here his shots, ball recoveries, shot creating actions, goal creating actions. Far eclipses the guys that we have here, and and I've got yes, I do have Danny Ings in there because he's the only other functioning striker that has. Uh, I could have put Cameron Archer's um, championship uh, record in there. Maybe I should have, just to show it. But uh, this is just basing it on on last year's results. Um, it uh, doesn't miss an awful lot of chances as well. Uh, as I say, he probably does have to brush up on his shot and target rate, but. Um, there's there are reasons why this guy was thought of as one of the most promising players in Europe at one stage. Um, he's got all the physical attributes you could want. Um, he's had two years out of the game, and then he had a pretty traumatic experience. I would imagine if some 
group of fans arrive onto your house and then you've to you're essentially being forced into exile in Galatasaray. Galatasaray must have been licking their lips. Yeah, we'll sign him for fifteen million. We put a thirty-five million clause, knowing full well that they'd only have a six month six months of the player because he's so highly thought of across Europe. So that's my little piece in him. Um, that's my little piece in him. Um, I think uh, there's a question here from Richie Ryan. Is he more of a potential player? I, I, I think it. I think granted the fact that that Manchi has signed him previously and would would have working knowledge of him, and the fact that we wanted to sign him, or we were rumored wanting to sign him in January as well. I think he's probably a small bit more than a potential player at 24 years of age. Um, he, I think people know what he can do. Um, but I think it's fair to say we don't know what he can do in the Premier League. You know, so from that point of view, I think you would say that yes, the potential for him to 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 come in here and hit the ground running in the in the Premier League is is uh, is an unknown. Um, the fact that it's a loan, it looks like it's going to be a loan with an option to buy, is most likely to get the deal over the line quickly. But also, it gives relative stability to Aston Villa from the point of view that you know, if the loan doesn't work out, if the loan doesn't work out, he he, he heads back to to, to Galatasaray. Um, that's what it looks like. Could be completely different after, uh, you know, after the the nuts and bolts of the deal do um, do do filter out as well. Um, yeah. So um, I don't know. Is it a panic deal? There's a couple of people. Uh, yeah, like like Jake, you said, there's a massive regression since he was 21. He was injured for two of those years, though. So like you know. That's where that like that that that's my thing. So please know, Zaniolo, I've been watching this guy, lad for years. Massive regression regression since he was twenty one. But the context of that is he was injured for two years. Um, you know, he was injured for his twenty when he was twenty one, mid midway through his twenty when he was twenty one, and when he was twenty two. So he came back when he was twenty twenty three, essentially, or to the end of his twenty second year. So you know, the context of that is there. Um, but it's um. You know, I don't. I don't know. Is it a panic buy? Considering we've been, it, well, I suppose it's it's they've dipped into it. Uh, you, yeah, I suppose you could call it a panic buy at the same time. You could call it a panic buy at the same time because they have to react. But um, you know, not all panic buys fail. I suppose that's uh, that's the other end of the story as well uh, with regards to this. But it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be back later on tonight, guys. I have. Um, uh, we will have uh, one or two other contributors coming on board with podcast um, over time. Um, and we've got somebody coming on this evening. I think you're going to like him. I think a lot of you will know him from Twitter uh, already. Um, so we're going to have a little, I'm going to want to get his opinion of Nicolas Zaniolo plus uh, a couple of other players. I think that Aston Villa have been linked to. Oh, I'm not even finished. Sorry. Uh, I've got loads more slides here. Sorry. But uh, yes. Um, so um, we will have somebody else on the podcast tonight and uh, I will give the full um, introduction to him uh, later on. Uh, but somebody, uh, you know, just to try and, try and uh, change it up a small bit. I'll do a lot of these transfers, transfer uh, podcasts on my own. Um, sometimes it'd be nice to have somebody to talk to as well. Uh, but before we go through that tonight, uh, which will be at half past nine, I do have uh, another slide here. So I have two people's statistics side by side here. This just goes to show about statistics, essentially. So I've got two people's statistics side by side here. Neither of them I would be writing home about. When we look at the statistics, pop in the comments there. That who do, can anybody guess who the statistics on the right are? Who owns those stats? And this is where I get to do the countdown music. So pop in the stats there if you think so. 
We've got no comments in the in no comments in the comment room after that. So everybody, and yes, I know my my countdown music was absolutely fantastic. And for anybody outside the UK, you're not gonna get that, but believe me, it's it, it was it was absolutely spot on. So that person on the right hand side is none other than heavily coveted. And somebody that all Aston, well, a lot of Aston Villa fans, uh, some of Aston Villa fans want, some Aston Villa fans don't want. That is Brendan Johnson, everybody, on the right-hand side. So, even if we look at these two guys statistically, they, 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 they stack up similarly enough uh, in, in, in terms. And the reason I wanted to show this is because usage of players matters. Brendan Johnson, I've, I've, been, I've, I've criticized him for some of the things I've seen with him, and I want to see, see more time with him. That's why I'm, I'm against spending 50 million on him. Zaniolo's alone. Yes, he's nowhere near um, a perfect solution. I don't know. Sorry, should I say if he's a perfect solution? But that somebody, some, somebody being on a loan and having statistics comparable with, uh, with Brennan Johnson over the last 365 days, based on the, the two guys having similar enough usage, um, I think is, uh, and the way that their teams play, obviously not being ball dominant, I think that that's. Uh, uh, it's just something for you guys to mull over, you know. I don't know whether he's going to be a success. I don't know whether he's actually even going to come to Aston Villa. But it just goes to show that, you know, when we were talking about panic buys a small a moment ago, maybe they're looking at types of players that come in to fit into this team. This is a bit of this is potentially a bit of evidence that shows that they are, you know, the similarity between the two the the, the two players from a statistical point of view. Um. And uh, the play play styles are slightly different, but from a statistical point of view, the similarity between the two players, maybe this is something that they're looking at, and this is just the, the cheaper option because they didn't expect to have to spend the money on, on somebody because they want, had Emmy Brindia. Maybe get this guy in, covers two positions for the price of one, get him in on a loan, and maybe that uh, that that's something that the, the, the contingency plan that the club has. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. A uh, ten-minute podcast turned into half an hour, as is my way, and um, that's my lunch break done once more. So I'm going to see you all later on tonight, half past nine, um, just for a random, an uh, 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 all-over chat, I suppose, and all things Aston Villa um, uh, later on tonight. So if you are free, I'd love if you could join us, and um, yeah, we'll maybe we might have more news on Nicolas Aniolo um, uh, later on today. Um, so thanks very much, everybody, for watching and for listening. If you like this, give it a thumbs up. If you really like it, consider subscribing to the podcast. But in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.